Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel, and honestly, Becca and I just have the absolute honor of serving you guys here at Life West, and we love it. And you picked a really good week to be here because we're starting a new series, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of pumped about this one. And it's going to be called Seed, Sower, and Soil. And the thing about this is Jesus told stories like a ton of them. In fact, there's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 13, and I'm going to start with verse 34, says this about Jesus. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like those when he spoke to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using parables. And maybe you've heard this before, but facts go through us, but stories stick to us. Have you ever heard that one before? It, it, Absolutely. And it's definitely true with my 80 squirrel mind. Like, absolutely. I, I, need, I need a story. Like, spelling is, is something that I'm... It wasn't my favorite in, in school. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just say that. I, it was not my favorite at all. Um, but I did it. I'm so proud of that fact. I did it. But I remember one time Mr. Black was teaching us how to spell a word. And he says, now this word is a little bit hard. And he said, a lot of your parents get this one wrong. He goes, but I'm going to tell you guys how to spell it. And he goes, and you'll be able to spell a word your parents can't. And I was like, I want to do something my parents can't. So he had my attention like, for like three seconds. And so I'm sitting there in class. And he said this. He said, two people went out in a boat. Tom fell out of the boat. A decision had to be made. Should you get Tom or row? And that's the only story he told. But I learned how to spell tomorrow. Tom or row? You want to know what word I know how to spell? I can spell tomorrow all day long. All day long. I know how to spell tomorrow because Mr. Black, I think it was third grade. I don't remember what grade it was. But I remember how to spell tomorrow. Because a story was told. And Jesus told stories. But there was a meaning, there's principles in these stories that you and I are meant to remember and to walk away with. And that's why he told stories. It's not just simple facts being told. This is how you spell tomorrow, T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W. You're like, what, how many R's and where's an O? I don't know. That rhymed. That was kind of fun. But anyways... Stories stick to us. It makes a difference. And so we're going to start with a parable. And a parable is a story with a meaning. That's what it's meant to be, a story with a meaning. And so we're going to look at this story, this parable. It's found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Some fell along rocky ground where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun rose, the seedlings were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the seedlings. Still other seeds fell on good soil and produced a crop a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. 
Now, how many of you, by raise of hand, you're like, he was just talking to a bunch of farmers and he wanted to teach them what bad soil was? No, we don't, we're, we're pretty sure that's not what it is. No, that's not what he's talking about. And so his disciples came to him and they're like, okay, what, what is this? And in verse 18, Jesus begins to explain this. He says, consider then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom but does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. We have to, he says, look, if all you do is just hear something, but you don't understand it, you don't do anything with it, he goes, guess what? It's like seeds that are sown on a path. That's not where they go. Birds are going to come. It's going to be gone. It won't work. Like, if you're going to do anything, like, like, it's just basic. It's 101. And so what we need to do is we need to make sure that we understand. Coming to church is great. Being here is great. But if, if you don't understand what you're hearing and you walk out, it's not going to change your life. It ain't going to do anything for you. It can't. It will do absolutely nothing. So there's two sides to this. There's two sides to this. One is my side. And years ago, I was working um, at a church. I was a youth pastor, and I was trying to get down to Texas. There's a Bible college down there, and I wanted to go down there and to recruit some interns. And I'm like, I need to get down there, and we've been talking about it. And all of a sudden, um, one of the businessmen in our church said, hey, I'm going to Texas. Um, If you want, you can just jump on the jet with us, and we'll just go. And I'm like, what do I need to do? He goes, it's my jet. It'll just show up. I'm like, sweet. So we showed up and we flew down and I got to go down. Um, and so I was at uh, CFNI and, and just talked to some kids and that was great. And then I come back, but we're on, we're on the flight back. And one of the guys on the plane, he says, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, sure. Because pretty much they were doing their own thing. I just sat there with a book. And I'm like, great, I got a free ride. And he says to me, he says, um, I know I should go to church more. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, but I don't like it. And I'm like, find a different one. They're like everywhere <laughs> in Michigan. He's like, like, like they're, they're everywhere. And he says, no, 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 no. He says, he goes, when I go to church, he goes, I feel so stupid. He goes, look at me. He goes, I fly around the country in jets. I show up and people want to know what I have to say. They ask me, they're asking me, they're like, what about this and how do we do this? And, and I say where to spend and where we're doing things. And he goes, but I go to church? And he goes, and I'm lost. He's like, they say names and places like everybody should know. And I'm like sitting there going, I have no idea what they're talking about. And when he said that, to me... As, as a youth pastor, I was like, I have to make sure that when I'm communicating, that it's, I, I want to communicate as simply as possible. I'm not going to water down what needs to be said. We can say the deep spiritual things of God, but let's say them in a language that's easily understood. And it just spoke to my heart right then, like, it has to be easy. Like, if you're going to make some delicious cookies, put them on the bottom shelf so everybody can get at them. Don't put them up high because then the kids are just going to climb up to get them anyways. And they will. I mean, mine do. And you're like, how did you even? But they did. Anyways, 
Just put them down low. Like, make it easy. It needs to be a language that people can understand. Like, let me just ask. How many of you know what I mean if I say I have calcium carbonite in my pocket? Raise your hand if you know what I'm saying. Okay, some of you do. Okay, what if, raise your hand if you know what I'm saying if I say I have some limestone in my pocket. Okay, what if, raise your hand if you know what I'm saying if I say I have a stone in my pocket. Raise your hand. Okay, they're all three saying the same thing and they mean the same thing. One of them is like, I know calcium carbonate, look at me. And the other one's like, it's a stone. Everybody. And that's one of the reasons why you won't hear me quoting from the Greek every single time I'm up here. Well, the Greek and the Hebrew, and I had time to look at this, and none of you do, but let me just tell you, is because you can't understand God's Word in the form that it is. And when God speaks to your heart and you have a question about something, we can yet dig deeper in it, but you don't need that. Let's put it on the bottom shelf. Let's keep it simple. Let's understand it. That's my part. And that's what's going on with our kids right now. It's one of the things I love about kids' ministry is it takes the simple truths of the Bible and presents them in a way that the kids understand. God loves you. Let's just start with that because they're really little. God loves you. And they're going to hear it over and over. And as they get older, that message changes to something that they need right now. Right where they're at. That's why I love tribe and I love what's happening with those groups and the the high school small groups, getting in those groups where questions can be asked and they can get together. But it needs to be something that's understood. Because when we don't understand it, it doesn't matter how fancy it sounds. If we don't understand it, we, we don't know what to do with it. It's like, that's great. What do I do? So it needs to be understood. But the other side of that is this. When we hear a message, whether, whether it's in church or a podcast we're listening to, or maybe we're worshiping and in our, in our own quiet times and devotions with God, and God just really speaks something to us, no matter what setting it is. But wherever we see that, whatever, wherever we receive that from, we have, a, we have something to do. We have a part to play. And that's to not just be like, oh, great, check, turn it off and walk away. But we are, too, to contemplate, to think about, to ponder, to kind of be like, okay, well, what what does that mean? Another way of saying it is to meditate on it, is to meditate and be like, okay, what is it that I need to do with this? Psalms 1-1 says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and in that he who meditates. I learned this in a different translation, the older NIV, and I literally cannot read it in the newer NIV. I memorized this as a kid. How blessed is man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the path of sinners, nor stand in the seat of scoffers. I got those two reversed, but still anyways. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree that's firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does will prosper for his delight. No, no, I'm going back to it, but here's the deal. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he will meditate on it day and night. That's what you and I are meant to do is to not just hear it, but to meditate on it. If all you do is come to church and leave, listen to a podcast, read a book, turn it off, say I did it, and walk away from it, you're not getting what you're meant to from it. 
You're not getting it. We need to meditate on that. And Jesus is like, it's like seeds that are sown on the path. Those seeds have all the potential in the world to grow, but they won't do anything. We have to meditate. Years ago, um, some friends and I, we were in high school and we're, we're headed out to the beach. And we were, we were arguing about how fast food goes through us, like how long it takes something to digest. And I'm like, it's fast. I'm like, it's got to be like 30 minutes or less. And, and my friend's like, no, it's not. And she's like going to be a medic, and she's like, I got all these pre-med classes and all this. I'm like, yes, it is. And she's like, no, that's not long enough for your body to extract what it needs from the food. And she said some number. I'm like, that's not true. Well, we're on our way out there, and, and we, we're driving down, and I think it was Fillmore, and we pass a blueberry stand. And, and we kind of stopped to get some. And I'm like, well, let's get some blueberries. So I jump out, and I get some blueberries. And some of you are like, don't go there. I'm going there. So I eat some blueberries, and we head out to the beach. We were on our way. We get there, and I have to go to the restroom. I come back out of the restroom, and I go, I'm right. It wasn't 20 minutes. And I'm like, but I guarantee you those blueberries went through me. And she's like, that's impossible. And I said, go and look. I didn't even... We'll stop the story right there. But her argument was this. It's not enough time for your body to get out of it what it needs. Let me just say, you sitting in service and then walking out is not enough time for you to get what you need from God's Word when it's sown into our hearts and lives. Listening to a podcast and being like, that was great. Hearing an amazing speaker or sermon. Jesus himself, the Sermon on the Mount, hearing it and walking away is not enough. We have to meditate on it, to sit down to reflect and be like, okay, what does this mean for me? What do I need to do? How do I need to do this? What do I need to do? Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Meditate on it. It's it's kind of like what a cow does. A cow eats grass and then... It kind of goes somewhere and sits down, lays down, regurgitates that grass that it just ate, chews it again, and then swallows it again. Yum. (laughs) But that's what you and I are meant to do, is we're supposed to hear God's word, hear a message. When God speaks to our heart, when, when we hear something, we're supposed to say, okay, not just walk away and then check it off a list and say it's done. But say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do with this? We're supposed to reflect, to meditate on it and be like, okay, what does that mean? What does that mean to me? What does that mean right now? 1 Timothy 4.12 says this, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to believers in in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to the reading and exhorting of doctrine. Okay, this is us. This is teaching. He says, okay, well, what do we do with it? Do not neglect the gift that was in you, which was given you by prophecy and the laying on of hands by the elders. Verse 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to others. The fact that we're meditating on it is to make a difference. 
We're supposed to grow and get better at it. So we've been playing um, pickleball, and it's, it's, it's fun. Um, so we get out there and we play. My kids love to play. And the funny thing is, is Hunter. So Hunter, you're 12, right, bud? You're 11? Okay, he's 11. There we go. There's five of them and there's a lot of birthdays, okay? He'll be 12. And then 13. I know how that goes, but anyways. So we'll be out there and we'll play pickleball. And Hunter, my 11-year-old, I'll, I'll hit it to him. He'll hit it back, and, and we have fun, but he's, he's, he's decently good. But the funny thing is, the thing that just I find so crazy about playing with him is after he, he either will miss a shot or just, like, smoke me on one, he'll stop and be like, did you see what I did? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you got me. The ball's where I wasn't. I see what you did. And he's like, no, when the ball came over, it was spinning off to the left, and I knew it was spinning off to the left. So I rotated this, and then I turned my hips to the side, and when I hit it, I hit it like this, and when I did it, it counterspun it and spun it the other way, and you didn't notice that the way I was standing, and I'm like, I just saw a ball go over the net and come back. I'm not, I didn't know there was all that in between. And he does the same thing with so many of the sports that we do. And I'm like, oh my goodness. No wonder he's getting better so much faster. Because he's not just like, I don't know why, but the ball went where it was supposed to. He's like, I know exactly why. And it was, that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to meditate, to tear it apart, to look at God's word and to apply it to our lives and be like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And to apply it. It's not just a mental exercise that we do and we're like, oh, that's great. That's a noble thought and wonderful idea. I aspire to something like that. Okay, great. And then just walk off. It's to meditate on it and then to apply it. James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. There's a danger in just showing up and walking away. There's a danger in just punching the time clock and being like, look, I did it. You're not going to get the results. Just walking into church and walking out, opening your Bible. It doesn't matter if you do it every day and just read it and then just leave it there. Mentally, if you just leave it there, it's like the guy that goes to the gym every day, but all he does is walk around. He doesn't do any good. You're, you're all the way there. You're at the gym. You've got the membership. Just lift up some weights. Get on a treadmill. But if all you do is just walk and then walk out, it will not make a difference. And there are many people that's exactly what they do. They show up at church. They show up and they open something up and then they check off a box, but they don't think and apply. But for those seeds to make a difference, we need to apply it. We have a part to play that when we hear it, we meditate on it and we do something with it. So there's three questions you should ask. Every time, every sermon, every message, every word God speaks to you, you should ask this. Number one, is there something that I need to start? Is there something I need to start that I'm not doing that I need to do? Number two, is there something I need to stop? God, are you challenging me? Maybe it's not a sin, but it's something that's just holding me back. Maybe it's just something that I'm held to and you want to break me free from it because you came to set me free. Not just go to heaven. And I need, maybe there's something I need to get free from. There's something I need to stop. And then number three, there's something I need to change. That it's not so much it's a start, stop, but it's, it's, it might be some things are out of order. You've had some priorities and God's like, I, 
That's not how this works. You're headed, you're headed where you don't want to go and you don't know it yet, so you need to change. Three things that we need to do. Three things. So then I read something like Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, But I tell you, love your neighbor and pray for those who persecute you. So I read it, and it's like, okay. I can read it, and I can just be like, I'm done. Book closed. I don't have a book, so these are my book closing noises. None of them are sounding good enough, so just, there, I closed it. Am I done? No, it's, it's, it's okay. Love your neighbor, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Well, do I have any enemies? No, not really but I do have a neighbor that committed the cardinal sin. I do have a neighbor. True story, true story. My neighbor, my kids, we, we've got some apartments in our house. And when the apartments came in this last year they, or the year before, they put up a fence. And that fence is not on the property line. It's quite a ways off of it. So I immediately claimed everything on my side of the fence um, for myself um, legally by just saying, it's mine, really loud. I think that's how you legally do that, right? <laughs> So we've been just kind of using that property. And, and so my kids were over there, and Hunter and some of the older ones made a track for the little RC cars. And he and his sisters were out there, and they worked on the thing for hours. And they got this big bank and jump, and it was looking really, really great. And I tilled it up for them. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Well, I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in my office. It's the garage. I'm out there working, and I'm hearing... Um, the neighbor's working, and they're doing some stuff, and they've got some equipment, and they're getting some stuff done, and I'm hearing, I'm like, it, it sounds different. Something doesn't sound right. It sounds like they're where they shouldn't be. And so I get up, and, and I walk outside, and sure enough, um, one, of the, one of the neighbor's workers, the neighbor gentleman just told him, said, hey, um, behind my house there, there's some weeds and there's some stuff back there. Will you please take your, um, your skid steer and just go back there and level it all out? Well, it's not his property. It's not mine. But um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I go back there and, and all that work that Hunter and the kids had put in to building this track is completely gone. He's leveled this thing. And I walk up to the guy. I'm like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, he asked me this. I said, this isn't his property. And the guy on the machine goes, this isn't his. And I go, no, that stake right there, that survey, right? That stake? I said, that's the end of his. And he's like, oh. So I go to my neighbors and I'm like, hey, that's, what, what are you doing? That's, and he's like, well, I'm making it better. And I'm like, but my kids made it better. But it's not mine either. But I'm offended that he's doing something with land that's not mine, that's not his. But I'm like, hmm. But my kids did something to something that's not mine before. You did something to something that's not yours. <laughs> you laugh. But man, I never wanted to punch my neighbor before, but I could have. And I'm like, oh, this isn't mine, but it's not yours. But I have less more right to what's not mine than you do. And this, but it all goes through my head. And I'm like, but I read verses like this. And I'm like, you know, I don't have an enemy, but you want to know what? I know I'm completely wrong in that. And I'm upset at him, and I, it would have been really great if it had been like, I saw your kids spending hours out there working on something, and it's really not any of our land. We're all having fun with it, but here's what I'm thinking. That would have been great, but it's not mine, and it's not his. It's some corporations. 
And they don't really exist, so no, no, no. But I've got to apply this to my life. And that's the situation that I have to apply it in. To meditate on it and be like, where does this hit me? Where does this hit me? What do I need to do? Or verses like Isaiah 32, 8. But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. It's fun to read it, but what am I supposed to do with it? So we meditate on it, and we ask, and we say, okay, generous people, am I generous? And I ask myself, I'm like, well, I believe that generosity starts after the tithe, because the Bible says you bring the tithe. It doesn't say give, it says bring. Tithe is 10%, so we give that, and that's just automatic. That's all I've ever known. I love it. But then it says generous people make generous plans. So if I'm giving, I don't think I'm being generous. If all I'm doing is tithing, I don't think I'm generous. Beck and I, we're on the same page in this, and we've talked about it, so we don't just tithe. We, we tithe and we give to church. It's regular. It's what we do. It's above and beyond the tithe. It's what God put on our hearts to do. God loves a cheerful giver. We're happy to do it, so we give. But then it says that the generous make generous plans. So what are, what are our plans and how are we planning to be generous? And it's fun to be like, well, in the future I can, but what am I doing right now? Because it's, I know that for me, if If I'm not doing it with what I have, I'll never do it with what I get. So I'm like, we need to be generous now. So we have missionaries that we support. There's missionaries that the church supports, but then there's missionaries that we support. It's actually adopted a child. Not so much very young, a little bit older, but anyways. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. And we're like, okay, is is, is that it? Are are we being generous? And, And for us, we're like, no. So what else do we need to do? And Something God's laying on our hearts to do. And you don't need to do this, but you do need to take these scriptures and to chew on them and to think about them. Like, how does this apply? So for us, I, we, we carry extra money in my wallet. I've got an extra hundred that I just carry. And I'm like, okay, when, when God tells me to give it to somebody, I want it to give. I want to have it. I'm going to make a plan. And we've, we're united in this, and she knows, and I know, and, and we're on the same page with this financially, and we're like, okay, we can do this all right. And so it's been fun. It's been really fun. Um, giving them away at Costco, where I'm, I'm walking through Costco, and I look, and there's, there's a lady, she doesn't have the Costco cart, and Costco carts are big enough, right? But no, she's got the flatbed, and she's just loading this thing up with food and water and stuff, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you're really shopping. I got five kids, I think I'm shopping. No, you're shopping. And God's like, give it to her. And, and I learned a long time ago that, that like, like, it's typically not the devil telling me to give things. You know, you're like, I bet that's the devil telling me to help that church get built. I bet it is. He's doing that these days. You know, it's just, it's just not it. And so it's just like, you know, okay. So I said, here you go. I said, I believe God's telling me to give this to you. And it turns out I knew the lady. And she's like, thank you so much. She said, this is actually for our small group. 
We've got a bunch of kids coming over, and they come over. We've got a skate park in our barn. And I was like, oh, awesome. I said, well, well, great. And I got to leave. Another time I was in parking lot, Aldi parking lot, waiting for I don't remember who, probably Becca. But um, <laughs> I think she was running inside to get me food. But anyways, I was waiting for her. And, and I'm waiting, and, and I see this woman come out. And she drops something and she picks it back up. And I'm just like, <laughs> and God's like, give it to her. And I'm like, okay, I get to be the creepy guy. So I jump out of my van, which never helps when you jump out of a van, ever. But you jump out of a van and walk up to her. And I said, hey, um, I believe God's telling me that I needed to give this to you. And I gave it to her and I walked away. And I have no idea. I never heard anything since. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it's led to or what it's meant to many of these people. There's been gas, gas tanks that I've filled, some that now that don't even fill gas tanks. Um, but it's just, if the Bible says that the generous have plans to be generous, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to sit down, we're going to contemplate, how does this apply to my life? What is it that I'm going to do? What is it that I'm meant to do with this? When I read things like Mark eleven twenty five, 25, but when you're praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive you your sins too. We don't just read it, gloss over it, and pass over it, and call it done, but we read it and we say, okay, what do we need to do here? So when I pray, I'm like, is there anyone I need to forgive? And I'm like, you know, not really. I don't think I'm holding a grudge against anybody. The closest thing I've got is that neighbor I already told you about. And I'm praying for him and, and for me mostly because that's what needs to happen there. <laughs> but we're, we're meant to look at it, to think about it. Verses like 2 Corinthians 6, 4. Do not be... Yoked together with unbelievers, for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? It's not something we just read over and be like, oh, that's neat. But we look and we apply it to our life and we say, okay. He's not just talking about animals here being yoked together. Oxen would get yoked together because they could do more to oxen. A yoke would go over top of both of them and they would pull together, they would work together, and it's what it's talking about. But if we just read over this, you're like, okay, don't be yoked together, all done. But when we sit and we meditate, we're like, wait a second, this is talking about marriage. And two people going together says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And two animals, if one was way stronger than another one, you needed two animals that were equally strong to have one way stronger or one way weak. It didn't work. It would, go off your, it would go off in weird directions. It would not work well together. And God's like, look, marriage is the same. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So how do I apply that? I'm already married. But when I see people who aren't, if you're not married, this is specifically for you. You don't date an unbeliever. You want to know what I teach my kids? It starts right here. The, the absolute minimum, minimum for the person that you want to marry is this. They have to be a believer. 
oh, but everything else is great. No. I don't care what they have, don't have, where they come from, going in life, what's going on. If they're not a believer, it's unequally yoked, break it off. But I'm, I'm missionary dating. No, you are not. That is not in the Bible. There's no such thing as missionary dating. The Bible says that the companion of fools suffers harm. They're going to pull you down. You're not going to pull them up. They can find God on their own. You are not their savior. They need Jesus, not you. There is no missionary dating. We're not unequally yoked with unbelievers. So we apply this to our life. We teach this to our children, that it starts here. It starts with this. Whatever it is that we read, we stop and we think. What does this mean to me? What do I need to do with this? Whatever it is, build this into your day. Build it into your day, whether it's your, your drive home, after your quiet times, or, or if you're listening to teaching and, this, and you get some time, make time to meditate. Just like the cow makes time to go sit down, sit down in the shade, regurgitate, chew on it, swallow it again. Make time. Make time to think about the things of God, to think the thing about the things that you've heard and how you're going to apply them to your life. Like, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my kids? Does this, does, do I need to change the way I'm communicating, that I'm working with them, what we're doing? What is it that I need to do? Because the seeds are sown, but in order for them to bring back that harvest, they've got to be planted. We have to understand, take the time to meditate on that so that we do understand it. And that it can make a difference in our life. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. But we have to understand it. Don't just assume that we know. Years ago, my dad got a car. It was a, uh, a Volkswagen something or other. Tureg, Trog, Trug, something like that. And I've been doing a lot of his handiwork stuff, so I would change the oil on the cars and things and stuff like that. And he asked me to change the oil on this one. His first Volkswagen he had. And I'm like, something's not right with this car. I just look underneath there, I'm like, first of all, there's way too much plastic. Everything is covered in plastic on this thing. And I wasn't used to it. I was like, what in the world is going on? So I had to get the manual out. I'm like, I know how to change the oil. Oh, I am glad I got the manual out. Because guess what? Guess how many drain plugs it has? Two! Two oil drain plugs. It doesn't need to be two. Just like make it all go to one spot and drain. It should need one. One. But I happened to go to the manual. And then he had some, some battery trouble. And I opened up the hood and I'm like, plastic everywhere. And I'm like, okay, is it under this? Is it under this? Is it under this? And I'm like... I gotta go to the manual again. And I found the battery underneath the driver's seat. Ugh! Why? There's no reason for that. It goes into the hood. You don't need to remove a seat to get at the battery. Well, but you did on this one. Talk about over-engineered. I was like, oh my goodness. Like put it, anyways. It was different. It wasn't the normal. And as we're reading, as God is speaking to you, understand this. You're not like everybody else. 
we cannot just take our cues from the world and everyone around us. God's word is given to us as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. A lamp is right here in front of you and that's all that it gives you and it's a light to our path going out. We need to be looking in there. We can't just be like, oh, it's probably normal. I've done this all before. Every other car's only had one drain plug. This will just only have one. No, you're different. We're meant to be different and we need God's word. God's word gets sown. Here's the crazy thing is I'll say something. You'll hear a podcast. Two people, three people, two people will be listening to the same thing and yet they walk away hearing something completely different. A number of times I've had somebody come up to me like, hey, that was really good the way that you said da 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 And I'm like, I never, did I say that? I don't think I said that. I'm like, yeah, you did. And I'm like, good, so glad. Praise you, it was God, yep. Because God speaks to you. Don't just skim over it. Let's be a people that's producing, that's building the kingdom of God that understands that we have gifts and talents and we're going to make a difference in this world. We don't just walk by and say, it's done, I went to church, check a box, that was great. God, thank you, I cried, I moved, it was amazing, it's done. But we walk and we say, God, what can I do with it? What do you have for me? What do I need to start? What do I need to stop? Or what do I need to change? Let's meditate on it. If you're married, talk about it with your spouse. And What does this mean for us? And should we change some things? And is this the right, are we still, let's check our trajectory again. Are we still going where we think? What does this change so that we can produce the fruit in this life that we're meant to be? Because you said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. And I believe with all of my heart, when we do it his way, we will get the best results from our messes, from everything that we've been through. God's like, watch what I can do with it. And that's for you, and that's for me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to be his today. If you're listening, if you're watching, and you don't know where you stand with God, you can leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with him. If your sins are forgiven, you can know. There's not a scale you're trying to tip, because let me just tell you this, you can never be good enough. I could never be good enough. So that God sent his son to do what you and I couldn't do, to pay a price we couldn't pay so that we could be free. And we accept it by making Jesus the Lord of our life, by confessing with our mouth that he died on the cross, rose again, believing it in our hearts, and giving our lives to him. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. At the count of three, I'm going to ask you to be bold. Shoot your hand up in the air. And then we're going to pray together. When we say amen, you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up. Say, that's me. And today is my day. I'm coming back. I'm giving it to him. Thank you. All right, let's pray. Let's just pray out loud with everybody that lifted their hands. If you lifted your hand as you say these words, make them your own. Say them from your heart. Let's all pray right now together. Say, oh God, forgive me and make me new. From now on, I'm yours. With all that I am, I'll serve you. I believe that you died, that you shed your blood for me, but you rose again. And from now on, I'm going to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.